Hey y'all, welcome back to the Tribe Podcast. Today I have my good friend who is also the pastor of our church joining me. Ken Murphy has been the senior pastor at our church for 23 years, and the way that he lives and leads has made a huge impact not only on my own family, but on so many other families around the world. Ken is a husband. He's been married to his sweet wife, Serena, for 31 years. And just a little side note, Serena has played a huge role in leading the women and the moms in our church, myself included, and she does it in a really profound way. Ken and Serena are parents to three adult sons, and as the mom of three boys myself, I am praying and working so hard, hoping that our boys will grow up and love the Lord the way that the Murphy boys do. So I'm going to start with a funny story about Pastor Ken. One summer, several years ago, my kids and I ran into him at a local store. And at this time, my middle son was probably about six, so maybe kindergarten age. And he looked at me after Ken walked away and said, Mom, why isn't Pastor Ken at church? (laughs) And it's so funny to think about just his sweet perspective. But in all seriousness, one of my favorite things about Ken is that he's just an ordinary person who does in fact leave the church and is really just being obedient to where God has called him to be. So without further ado, Ken, I am so glad you're here. Thank you for joining me and for playing a part in encouraging our listeners today. Thank you for having me. Been looking forward to it for several weeks now since you uh, reached out and yeah, I'm just glad to be here for the conversation. Ah. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to dive in with something that you said one Sunday at church. You said successful, victorious living is done in the context of relationships. And I think that's a great lead into our message because today we're going to talk about the power of having a tribe and how trust and vulnerability play a role in that. So let's dive a little deeper into this topic. Pastor Ken, what does scripture say about doing life alongside one another? When you say dive into the deep end, you are not kidding. This is, you know, I was thinking about the power of relationships. Mm. And I truly, Serena and I, we were just talking about, we have several friends that are having babies or grandbabies, uh, which we don't have yet, but I hear they're incredible when they come as well. (laughs) But if you've ever gone through the birth of a child, I think it takes more faith to believe it just kind of all fell together mm. than to believe that there's a master maker on the front end somewhere who is divinely knit or orchestrated or co-partnered in the creation process. Yeah. <clears throat> and when you talk about the power of relationships, that if there's a master designer somewhere, that means there's a master order. And I just personally think there's too much order to the laws of the universe, nature, births. So life is, in a sense, a quest to figure out what was the original master plan behind the whole thing. And I think you've hit on the key, relationships, community, your tribe, being connected is at the very core. When you look at scripture, even the Trinity communicates and speaks to the interrelationship of God in three persons. Mm. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When we look at the creation account in Genesis, 
God created everything. He's like, that's good. That's good. There's only one thing that God said that's not good. And it was for man to be alone. And he says, so I'm going to create a helper suitable, you know, for him. It doesn't mean everyone has to be married. But what it does mean is everyone needs to be in intimate relationship with someone um, who really has your best interest. I was uh, thinking about this. And even uh, when you think about the whole aspect of uh, Proverbs 27, iron sharpens iron as one sharpens another. So you have to have those relationships. And then literally scattered all throughout the Old Testament and the New, uh, encourage one another, speak life to one another, uh, uphold one another. So if you don't have another who's in your tribe to do life with, then life is not being lived at the ultimate design of which it could be. So, I mean, to me, just, man, relationships and finding your people, it is absolutely vital to successful, victorious living. Mm. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so we know from God's word how important it is to walk through life with other people, which is definitely reassuring since that's what this entire ministry is built on. Yeah. (laughs) But what I just heard you say is that God longs for us to be in relationship with him and with others. In fact, it's his deep desire and it's the way that he created us to be. You know, when I think about how Jesus had his three and his 12. It's easy for me to name those people in my own life. And when I step back and I look at the common thread that is woven through my sweet friendships, it's trust. I truly believe that the foundation of all healthy God honoring relationships is trust. So tell our listeners how trust plays a role in our tribe. Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, first of all, I, I agree with you, but that's what makes relationships so difficult because every one of us breaks trust. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's with ourselves. Sometimes it is with another person. Sometimes it's, um, you know, it's not intentional. Uh, sometimes it is. And that's what makes it so hard is to trust. And when trust has been broken, uh, it's hard to trust again. Yeah. Uh, I was, again, just the other day reading, thinking about Philippians 2. Uh, Philippians says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Mm. And here's one of the keys. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, here's the key, but also to the interest of others. And I really think Mm. trust in a certain way can be defined as being in a relationship with another person that you truly trust. They not only have their own interest, they have your best interest at hand as well Mm. as they behave operate and make their way through life Um, because there's a difference in relationship so many relationships are transactional yeah which is you do this and then and only then will I do that but trust is trusting someone enough to be open to be vulnerable to be authentic to be real um, that they can speak life maybe speak correction Mm. Maybe correction, we don't even want, actually want to hear. That's right. <laughs> um, but they're there for you, and they're there with you. Mm. And that, to me, I think when the Bible says, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice, one of the saddest things is if you had something really cool happen, and you don't have anyone to pick up the phone to tell. Yes. Uh, and the other side is something incredibly tragic happens, um, and there's no one, you don't even have to pick up the phone because they know you so well, they're, they're already there. Oh, 
And that's, to me, that's what it would mean to, like, have your people, your tribe. And there's an intimacy of relationship that they just know. They know what's needed. Mm. Sometimes even before you do yourself. Yeah, that's right. And they're there for you. And the only way to let that happen is to let people get to know you, Mm -hmm. to trust them. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. You know, when I think about the amount of access given to people in my life, it's very much linked with how much I trust them. It mm-hmm. is, you know, something as simple as giving out my garage code, right? I have to trust you to give you access to my house. But it's also in the bigger things, like who we allow to have access to our kids. It's who speaks life into them and who spends time with them. For our oldest son, Noah, it's who we let him get in the car, you know, and drive with. It's not just for everyone. We have to trust those people. And we talk all the time about being doers of the word. You know, it's our words and our actions combined that build trust in our relationship. So you've said it before. It's not enough to just know the right thing to do. You have to do the right thing. And I think trust is the same way because you have to be a trustworthy friend in order to have friends that you can trust. But that takes time and effort and consistency. Okay, so I don't know if you remember this, but several years ago, you preached a sermon about what we're talking about today. And one of the things that you said is that there's power in taking off the mask and being fully known and loved. So talk to our listeners about being consistently vulnerable within our tribe. I will. Two things. Funny story. When our kids are growing up, they want to spend the night and we just didn't do that at our house. Mm-hmm. We didn't really go anywhere or let the kids go spend the night. And then if we got to know someone, Serena would say, I'm going to call the other mom. And for our kids, that was like the most embarrassing. <laughs> We're the worst parent ever. <laughs> and at the core issue, it was, I don't trust them. Yeah. I, and I don't trust them because I don't actually know them. Right. I know what I see as we sit at a kid's ball game or I know them, whatever the brief interaction is, but I don't actually know what happens at their house, you know, when the lights go off and everyone goes to bed. I don't know. And because I don't know, I do not trust. And that's, I'm just telling you, that's good parenting. That's right. It really is. Yeah. Because just like you said, you would never give out your garage code to anyone Mm. when you let your kids go wherever with people you really don't know, you're doing the exact We would never let our kids walk High Street at 3 in the morning. That's right. So that's the reason. I'm not p- picking on High Street. I've got some favorite restaurants there. <laughs> but there's just certain places you don't want your kids to go. And it does come down to trust. It really is a trust issue. The other thing I'll say about this, we always used to tell our kids, privilege and responsibility go hand in hand. Because mm. we can all talk about it, but you have to prove it. Yeah. And with trust, it's hard. I've often tell, uh, we have a lot of residents and interns here, and I tell some of our younger folks on staff, it's hard to fully trust someone with great responsibility until they've been hurt greatly Mm. or they've suffered greatly. And to see, did they prove to be trustworthy Mm. by how they handled themselves in the midst of it and how they came through it? That's good. So that's, I think, you know, part of trust. Your question about how, you know, taking off the mask, um, there, there's two key words. One is wisdom and one's discernment. Mm. Because there is, I, I believe you have to have someone. And it might end up being a professional counselor. Uh, uh, I myself have gone to counseling. My wife and I have gone to counseling to process things, to work through things. Um, 
you know, what's the phrase? You're only as, uh, as sick as your greatest secret. That's right. Um, but there's also the flip side of it. We don't want, it's also unwise and unhealthy to be sharing every single thought and every single thing that maybe you've been through or experienced with every single person you encounter. Yes. That's not wise either. So I think all of us, I mean, I read this stat so many years ago. It was sad how few actual friends people have today. Mm. Um, but I think there's another layer. You mentioned Jesus. He had the 12. He had the three. And he also had the one, the beloved disciple, uh, John. When it comes to truly taking the mask off, there is a, it's just a small number of people who earn the right and the privilege to see that part of you, mm. I, I believe. Um, there's a lot of people who know, who know a lot of parts of you. But, I mean, for me, it's like God, my spouse, and my counselor. Yeah. And then it's a super big, you know, arc, you know, for our children and our, our family. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, the ripple effects go out from there. But one of the things I find is we often make mistakes by either closing up and not having anyone to share with. Therefore, we, James 5.16, confess your sins to one another mm-hmm. uh, that you may be healed. Um, pray, you know, asking for God's wisdom. That is the healing comes through the relationships of God at work in us and through us. Mm. But we got to be wise that it's the right relationships. Because when I think of times that I've suffered the most, it's when I had or allowed the wrong people into the smallest circle of my life. Yes. When I've done well, and life has gone well, it's when myself or our family have allowed the right people into the smallest circle of our lives. Mm. So that power of authentic relationship and relating one to another, um, I would just be very cautious, but understand the need and the necessity for it at the exact same time, if that makes sense. It does. Absolutely. I think that's a good way to put it. And obviously I chose you to speak on this topic because I knew you'd bring your A game. So <laughs> <laughs> I I could not have said what you said any better. The relationships for me and my own tribe that thrive the most are the ones where I have those just couple, just those few chosen people yep. where I can take off the mask and I'm able to be real and you know, it's within the context of my women's small group and the couples group that Nick and I lead where we're intentionally coming back to the table and we're showing up for one another. And I believe that growth and healing happen within the intimacy and context of viewing life in those small settings, right? Yep, it's not yep, the big ones. Yep. So how would you say trust is earned in relationships? <clears throat> That's a great question. Uh, to me, it really comes down to the consistency of behavior over time. Mm. And there's no other, and, it, and I use the word behavior intentionally because it, I'm going to say something here. It's going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I'm not. But on one hand, your words don't mean anything because we can say, you can say, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. But if my actions actually never support I love you, my mm. actions actually communicate that I'm very selfish then my words have no meaning. Mm. So my words mean nothing. On the other hand, you can build consistency by your yes actually means yes, Mm. and your no actually means no. And that, you know, we talk about that's true in parenting. That's true in life. Um, You know, I used to tell 
other parents, you know, when your kids ask you to do something and you say no, rarely do they take that as a one shot answer. They're going to come and then they wear you down. Mm -hmm. And and for us, it's the third one, even more than the first. (laughs) I held stronger in the first. We just get tired. But all kidding aside, if your kid asks you to do something and you say no seven times, but the eighth time you say yes, the only thing you've done is you've reinforced in their mind, hey, keep asking because dad's going to get tired about the eighth, the ninth, or the tenth time I ask him. So the consistency of no means no, yes means yes, a boundary actually means a boundary. Yes. Because I've always said a boundary without a consequence, it's just a mere suggestion. We're just playing games. We don't really mean anything. Yep. Um, So it's the consistency of behavior over time is what builds uh, confidence and it builds trust. And it's true in business. Mm. In business, if someone came to you and says, hey, I've got an order. Can you fill this order by next Wednesday? If you know in your heart that it's impossible to order to fill the order by Wednesday, but you say yes, you're lying to them, you're lying to yourself, eventually you're going to have to come back, hey, I'm sorry, it got backlogged. Then you start tell another, you're, you're losing credibility. Yeah. You're so much better off just to say right out of the gate, hey, I can't do that, but I can have it there by Friday. Mm. Or if you commit to something, when you do what you've been asked to do on time, on budget and with a great attitude, you're a rock star. That's right. And that's just, it's the consistency of behavior over time is what builds trust. And I think for the greater the the importance of relationship, the more we expect. Yes. Um, From our elected officials, um, from the people that we love the most, um, we we expect that sense of trust and consistency in relationship. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. When I think about trust, I think about God being trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And like for us, obviously your family, my family, a lot of people we you know do life with, people that are in our tribe, that's the foundation for it all because we read all over scripture about the covenants that God made. In fact, my couples group did a very in-depth study of God's covenants and I was a little lost at times, but we were able to all work together and what they represented, these covenants, and my greatest takeaway was that we serve a God that's trustworthy. In our relationships, trust isn't something that can just be freely given. It's like you said, it's earned each day. And our small choices, it's compounded over time. Mm-hmm. You know, the older I've gotten, what God has revealed to me is that if you cultivate an environment of trust and consistency when you're on the mountaintops, like when life is good and things are flowing, then when you get deep, deep into the valleys where life is sad and hard and rough, it's your faith and your tribe that will lead you through. If I close my eyes, I can picture a deep valley and a group of friends that are locked arm in arm, just coming alongside one another and walking through the hardest seasons of life. That's what I picture. You know, scripture is so clear. The hard times will come. So if you don't find yourself in a season of trial right now, y'all, it's coming. And I don't say that to scare our listeners. I say it to serve as a reminder that we have an opportunity to do the hard work and to take the steps now in preparation for that valley. Ken, before we finish, can you give our listeners a few personal recommendations of books or podcasts that they can use as they continue to build their faith and explore a life with God? Yeah, it's one of the things I uh, was thinking about 
because everyone deals with broken trust in life. Mm. Uh, there's a great book. Uh, the author's name is Lisa Turkist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the book's called Forgiving What You Cannot Forget. Uh, and I just think that's an excellent read on one of the core issues of forgiveness. Um, and forgiveness at the core is really canceling the debt. Mm. Uh, whether it's an ex, whether it's a relationship, a, uh, a dear friend, that things went sour or south. Hurt, when a relationship sours, it's because trust was broken, something was said, something was done, someone was hurt. And forgiveness is the choice to cancel the debt that says you no longer owe me. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly not even for the release of consequence of the other person as much as it is opening the valve for your own healing, mm. for bitterness, and just to be able to move forward with your own life. And that's that principle is true whether you're a believer in Jesus or not. Uh, I think Jesus is our ultimate example of forgiveness. And personally, I believe he is the true only means to live that type of life because you can't do it yourself. That's right. We need him to do it for us and, and with us. Uh, but Forgiving What You Can't Forget, that's a great book. Lisa Turkus also has um, a podcast. Uh, I know it's on YouTube and other places, but called uh, Therapy and Theology, mm. which actually Jim Cress, a good friend of ours, we've had him here to speak uh, multiple times. Uh, excellent uh, other read there. Another book, and it's kind of a different one. I actually just read it while we were uh, on vacation this summer. Someone recommended it uh, about a month ago. It's called The 12th Week Year. Mm. And the 12-week year is basically, it's not a Christian book, but it's a book about how do we become more productive for what matters in life. And it's basically the concept is break life or the year into 12-week cycles and ask the question, what am I trying to accomplish? Mm. And I think the principles of that book can help us um, accomplish things that helps our behaviors and maybe our words and our heart's desires line up. Wow. Um, whether it's saving money, getting in shape, uh, parenting, uh, accom- you know, cleaning out the closets, whatever it is, when we make progress, that builds our own credibility uh, with ourselves and yeah. it gives us confidence that, hey, I can do this uh, with other people around us. But those would be just two things kind of off the top of my head that I kind of thought about that might be might be helpful. So good. I love Lisa. Her and Jim are doing amazing work together. I love that podcast. It's just been a huge part of my own healing process. Okay. You know, I'm also going to add your podcast. (laughs) You knew I was going to say that. Y'all, his podcast is called More with Murphy, and he's into his second season. I have listened to every episode and each one gets sweeter. There is a lot of truth and great content and it's packed with guest speakers and scripture and honestly just real life. It's definitely one of my go-tos when I need to be encouraged. I actually put it on when I'm going for a longer run. I'm like, okay, let's get some more with Murphy. So you guys head over and check it out. My prayer for everyone listening today is that you start thinking about what it would look like to lock arms in your friendships. Maybe there are some relationships that you need to take a break from, or maybe you need to try taking off the mask and allowing some of your friendships to go deeper. At the end of the day, I believe everyone longs for friends who truly know them and truly love them. And by taking off the mask with those trusted few and making the decision to be vulnerable, you're taking the first step and building a tribe where trust is the foundation. 
Ken, thank you so much for your obedience in serving the Lord in what I would call a very public way. It has been so profound for my own spiritual walk and this ministry, and it's something I'm so grateful for. Your love for the Lord and your church are changing lives every day, and I am truly blessed to know you and call you friend. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Love you, Nick, your whole family. It's awesome. The best is yet to come. That's right. I'm praying for y'all, and I'll see you next week.